Section 2 of The Vampire Nemesis and Other Weird Tales of the China Coast by Dolly. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Section 2 Death Grips, Part 1. It is but ten fleeting months since I stepped proudly from the little Beulah Chapel in Seward Road, the husband of the sweetest, daintiest girl that breathes, with every excuse for acknowledging myself the happiest man on earth. Yet here I sit now, toying idly with my pen, about to commence a ghastly confession, of the details of which I am still unashamed, wondering if it can be true that happiness and blissful content ever were so nearly within my grasp. I hardly know at which point to commence my ghastly story. Am I to begin with my first meeting with Arnold Rawdon? If so, I doubt if I can remember now where it was that I first met the man. I believe it was at the Masonic Club. By profession, Rawdon was a dentist with a practice in Szechuan Road. He was certainly not a robust man, yet inclined to run to flabbiness with excess of fat. Conjuring up his face in the mirror of memory, I find there is scarcely a remarkable feature to record. He had a weak-looking, sensuous mouth, watery blue eyes, set very close together, so closely, in fact, as to give the whole face a look of cunning when the vacuous expression was not predominant and sandy hair. Stay, though. There was one peculiarity about the man which I fancy struck me in those early days of our acquaintanceship. It was obvious enough later. When he was excited or angry, the hair from the back of his head to the nape of his neck used fairly to stand on end and bristle, as one sees the hair bristle on the neck of an angry cat. I can recollect remarking what a peculiarly weird appearance it had, a look that striking some strange chord of sympathy in one's own mind produced that eerie creeping of the scalp one experiences when in the austere presence of the unknown. There was a something repellent about the man's manner that prevented my ever desiring to become intimate with him. Though I gathered from casual talks when he was one of the group that he had practiced for a lengthy period in India, and had more than once come into contact with that mysterious sect, the Mahatma. It was admitted by all that he was deeply imbued with the lore of India. And among ourselves, Rawdon was an acknowledged authority on all manners, ancient or modern, connected with that country of esoteric learning. It was rumored by the idle gossip's tongues of Shanghai, this I learned later, that Arnold Rawdon was deeply in love with a fair maiden of the community, Miss Ethel Langard. My own introduction to the lady was under unconventional and rather peculiar circumstances. I was riding in from Jessfield on my bicycle when I passed her, trudging along on foot, pushing her own machine before her. Judging from the rueful glances she from time to time cast upon her steed that something was amiss, I pulled up and inquired if I could be of any service to her. She looked up at me with a comical expression of despair in her frank blue eyes. I am afraid my machine has refused duty. The pedal has come off. Leaving my own bike by the roadside, I stooped to inspect it. The thread of the pedal had stripped and the nut was hanging loosely on the bolt. I think, I assured her, we can fix that up sufficiently well to take you into town. Thanks very much, replied Miss Langard. But I am afraid the case is hopeless. We have already tried, my escort and I, but the horrid thing will keep coming off. She saw my look of inquiry bent on the road in search of the escort of whom she spoke, and hastened to add, we gave up the attempt to make it behave itself, and he has ridden on to try and procure a rickshaw or gari. It's too bad, petulantly, 
for the odious thing to break down in the middle of the journey like this. Let us see what can be done, I said. I am not an inapt mechanic and managed with a strip of tin from a matchbox case I luckily had in my pocket to jam the nut on in a manner sufficiently secure to make the machine safe to ride. And having thus put matters to rights, I could do no less than offer to supply the place of the missing escort, who I devoutly hoped would have to ride a long way ere finding a conveyance. By the way, I remarked when we were fairly started, it's very shocking, I suppose, but we don't know each other, and there's no one to make the needful introductions. How very dreadful, she exclaimed with a bright laugh that sent my front wheel wobbling violently. I suppose under the circumstances we shall be justified in doing it for ourselves. My own name is Ethel Langard. And mine, I replied eagerly, is Henry Keith. So pleased to meet you, she murmured in her most formal tones, whereat we both laughed merrily, and before another twenty yards were covered we were the best of friends. Take care, Miss Langard, I cried presently, for the pace was becoming much too rapid for my liking. I would not advise you to ride too fast, that pedal might come off again but she saw through my little ruse to protract the pleasure of the ride, and a mischievous smile dimpled her cheeks. "'Oh, I really think it would be perfectly safe to go a great deal faster,' she replied cheerfully. Nevertheless, she slowed down to my pace, which was about as leisurely as I could make it without tumbling off my machine. And so we pedaled slowly toward the town. I lost an admiration of the dainty loveliness of the girl at my side, and fervently hoping that her companion had smashed his machine in a collision or any other dire mishap that would prevent his turning up before we reached Shanghai. We met him at last some little distance out, conveying a rickshaw, and great was his surprise to see Miss Langard riding the disabled machine. Great was also my surprise, not unmixed with mortification, to find as he approached that the gentleman was none other than Arnold Rawdon. As he came up, Miss Langard, slipping from her machine, prepared to make the necessary explanations and introduction. "'See, Mr. Rodden,' she cried with eyes brimming with roguishness, "'the distressed damsel has already been succoured by a gallant knight. "'Permit me,' then catching our looks of mutual recognition, "'ah, but I see you already know each other. How jolly!' Seeing there was no further excuse for intruding my company, I was about to raise my cap and turn away when she interposed. "'But surely Mr. Keith is not going to be so selfish as to ride away "'without giving us a chance of showing him our gratitude?' Mr. Rawdon, she turned imperiously toward him. Please persuade your friend to accompany us and accept a cup of tea. Rawdon's face was showing as much annoyance as such faces are capable of exhibiting, but he managed to mumble some polite phrase expressive of his wish that I should accompany them. As much to chastise his selfishness as for anything else, I readily conceded, and away we went again, three abreast. You see, Mr. Keith, my machine might break down again. Miss Langard murmured demurely, at which remark, reflecting on his usefulness as an escort, Rawdon's brow grew blacker yet. This was the beginning of a friendship that blossomed into intimacy, and soon ripened into love. A little more than three months from that lucky day Ethel and I were made man and wife, and it was only then I discovered that Rawdon had had aspirations toward the same goal. He seemed to take the matter so lightly that I felt almost angry with him for being willing to surrender so rich a prize thus easily. It was, I told myself indignantly, a slight on my wife. How could any man know Ethel and not be in love with her? He declined to be present at the wedding reception. The whole affair was as quiet as we could make it, for when two people are really happy they do not like to proclaim it from the housetops. 
but he sent Ethel a magnificent collection of cashmere shawls, which we understood had been accumulated during his lengthy sojourn in India. He declined with equal persistency to accept any of our invitations, always having some valid excuse, and so gradually Arnold Rawdon dropped out of our life. End of section two.